Welcome back to Hey On Track Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast, covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the greatest club in the world. And unlike Brian, I'm entirely biased. I'm not Brian and Casey, obviously. I'm Chris from Detroit, uh, but I'm not in Detroit today. I'm actually traveling this week. But I had to drop in and give my two cents on the Champions League draw uh, before we interview, uh, before we air an interview that Brian did with a very special guest. So I'm going to keep you on for a couple minutes, chat Champions League and where Frankfurt fits in that whole mix. And then uh, afterwards, you can check out Brian and a really cool interview he had the opportunity to conduct this week. So uh, just a little housekeeping here as I get into this short episode. I'm going to open with my favorite segment, hashtag what are we drinking? Although I guess tonight it's technically what am I drinking since I'm flying solo. Uh, tonight it is Labatt Blue Light. <laughs> uh Canadian Pilsner, for those that don't live as close to the border as I do, I'm at my parents' home, and, well, they don't appreciate craft beer like I do. But, hey, it's light, it's crisp, it's refreshing, and like my wife, it's Canadian. So that means it's awesome, right? Uh, So, anyway, back to football on track Frankfurt. On Thursday, the Champions League draw took place, and... Uh, thanks to winning the Europa League, Frankfurt is qualified. And, you know, it's not a lot of drama. You won Europa League, you qualify for the Champions League. Uh, we knew we were going to be in pot one. Um, I'll go through what that means. Uh, for those that are not familiar with the format of the Champions League, uh, the tournament basically has 32 teams. They qualify for eight groups. The four teams in each group play each other home and away. So a total of six matches in your group, three home, three away. And the top two teams move on. That's it. Top two is the goal. You finish first, you move on. You finish second, you move on. Third and fourth, nobody cares. You're gone. So um, the Champions League final takes place June 10th, 2023 at the Artuk. I Totally bombed that one. <laughs> uh, the Olympic Stadium in Istanbul. Uh, it's the home of the Turkish national team. Uh, despite being built in the early 2000s, it kind of has like a post-war brutalist architecture look to it. Uh, it was supposed to be the centerpiece of the 2008 Olympics, but that bid ended up going to Beijing. So, yeah, it hosts the national team, and for the first time it's going to host a Champions League final. Um, as far as match days go, I talked about the structure of the the groups. Um, the match days start pretty soon here. Uh, match days one through six happen before the World Cup, which is weirdly placed this winter. But uh, starting on September 6th, already just you know two weeks away, uh, is match day one of the Champions League. So we'll have match days one and two in September, uh, match days three, four, five, and six between October and the first couple days of November. So basically you can get used to seeing two matches a week for Frankfurt uh, for most weeks now through the start of November. Uh, 
it's going to be exhausting for the players. And thankfully, we have depth this year for the first time in a long time. But it's going to be exhausting for players and probably for podcast hosts as well. Uh, but we'll do our best to keep up with the chaos. You know, it's it's a compact calendar this year with the with the World Cup thrown in there. And now you add the Champions League to it. There is a lot going on. And it's going to be a lot to keep up with. We're going to move from one table to the next, one schedule to the next. Um, but this is the pinnacle. This is the top club competition in the world. And it's kind of tough. It's being played in this year with such a strange calendar. But it is what it is. Everyone is on the same playing field. They all have to deal with it. So, um, so who will Frankfurt play? Uh, the draw occurred Thursday in Istanbul uh, as the reigning champions. Frankfurt's placed in pot one. So basically they avoid the domestic champions from the other top five leagues. This year it's the top six leagues. Um, Ajax won the Dutch league. And because Real Madrid won La Liga and the Champions League last season, um, Ajax picked up that pot one qualifying spot. So Frankfurt and the other top seven teams in Europe uh, were in pot one. And then pots two, three, and four drew eight teams from each, placed into each appropriate group. So from pot two in group D with Eintracht Frankfurt is Tottenham Hotspur, uh, a name that I think most everyone should be familiar with. They're currently tied for second in the Premier League in England. Uh, but it's only three matches in, so take from that what you will. It's weird this early in the year. Uh, historically, Tottenham have fared better domestically than in European competition. They've won eight, I think, eight FA Cups, uh, four League Cups. That's now the Carabao Cup and a couple other minor trophies in, in England. Um, in European competition... They won the Cup Winners Cup way back in 1962-63. They've won two UEFA Cups, which is now obviously the Europa League, which Frankfurt won last year. Uh, those came way back in 71-72 and 83-84. So, of course, so their most uh, recent headline in international competition, they lost to Liverpool 2-0 in the Champions League final in Madrid in 2019. Uh they finished only second in their group with eight points, but they made a great run through the knockout stages. They knocked off Borussia Dortmund, Manchester City, and Ajax before the final. Um, so, it, you know, they're experienced recently, and they've qualified for Europe several years in a row now. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. But, of course, I'm transferred well in London in recent years. Uh, in November 2019, Frankfurt went to the north of London to face Tottenham's rival Arsenal in the group stages of the Europa League and came out 2-1 victors. Uh, Daichi Kamada did his Europa League thing and had a brace there. Uh, Luka Jovic played a big match there. Um, and then, was it, later that year, yeah, uh, just a few weeks later, the Eagles went back and faced Chelsea in the Europa League semifinal. It was 2019. Uh, played a pretty balanced game. I thought Frankfurt was better in the second half. Uh, the match ended in a 1-1 draw. Luka Jovic scored the only Frankfurt goal. Remember the sad uh, 
penalty shootout, Hinterreger and Paciencia both denied in the penalty shootout. Chelsea goes through the final. That was a tough one. Um, but I think that kind of set the stage for what was to follow. Um, obviously, last season, Frankfurt returns to London, of course, and uh, tackled the Hammers from West Ham United. Frankfurt wasted no time. They got on the board uh, in the first minute. Rafael Santos Bore flips around kind of just on a dime, puts a ball right on Ansgar Canal's face and right into the corner. It was less than a minute in, I think 45, 50 seconds, somewhere around there. Um, Jared Bowen from West Ham hit the pipe twice in that match. Uh, just some really big moments in that match, really both ways, just some incredible plays, some beautiful goals and, uh, man, Frankfurt came out on top, obviously, and that was the first leg of the semifinal. Came back at home and and made it to the final, and you know the rest is history. Uh, but some good history in London for Frankfurt, especially recently, and uh, we're gonna be back there with Tottenham playing them in North London. So it's an intriguing matchup. Uh, the Premier League gets all the press here in the United States and most of the press globally. Uh, but if there's a choke artist. In England, it's Tottenham. They're perennial underachievers. That doesn't mean they're not dangerous, obviously. Uh, Harry Kane, um, Song are two of the most lethal, efficient producers in the top five leagues in Europe. So it's not going to be easy. I don't think we'll take all six points, but I'm never going to bet against Frankfurt in London, at least the way things have gone recently. So moving on, uh, pot three. In the draw to Group D uh, comes to Sporting. Sporting, also known as Sporting Lisbon. Um, tough start to this season in the Portuguese Premier Liga. Uh, they're three matches into a 34-match campaign, drawn no conclusions at this point to where they're going. Um, but it's been a little bit of a, a tough start for them early on. Historically, though, they're the third winningest team in Portuguese history, They've got 54 trophies in their case, 54, but yet they're only third in silverware department in their country. That is absolutely crazy to me that you have 54 trophies and you're only the third winningest team. Um, that's a that's a pretty top-heavy country, if you ask me. Not a lot of parity going on there. Um, but only one of those comes from European competition. They won the the old Cup Winners' Cup competition in 1963-64, I believe. Um, Domestically, they won their last of 23 league titles in 2021. So some recent, uh, solid recent history there. 2022, they won the Allianz Cup, which is the Portuguese League Cup. So... uh, they're no strangers to winning big tournaments and playing big matches. And that's something we're going to have to look out for. Uh, Portugal gets overlooked because the league doesn't have a lot of depth. But as we know, uh, Benfica, Sporting Lisbon, um, uh, who am I missing there? Oh, oh, I'm missing a big one. It's killing me. Uh, Porto. There we go. Um, Portugal has some tough teams at the top end. And they they played us tough. They play everybody tough. So we can't overlook them, even though they sat in pot three. Um, the last one's in the group. Uh, pot four 
Olympic Marseille. Uh, this is a matchup I'm really looking forward to more than any other in the group. Uh, for those that don't know, the Stade Velodrome in Marseille is one of the loudest, one of the most historic stadiums in Europe. It has them. It's hosted World Cups, it's hosted Euro matches, and the Marseille fans are arguably the best in France. I, I wouldn't argue it. it. They're the best in France. Uh, the city itself lies on the Mediterranean coast, goes back to centuries BC, founded by the Greeks. It's culturally unique to the rest of France, and I think their fans kind of wear that as a badge of honor. They, I mean, they're, they're French at the core, but... The, it's very much a very unique environment on the Mediterranean. Um, it's an international city, some Mediterranean flair to it. And it's it's on a bucket list of must-visit away days, at least for me. Um, but back to the football. Uh, Olympic Marseille, nine-time French division champions, won their last title in 2009-2010. They've got 10 trophies from the famed Coupe de France, a very competitive domestic competition. Most recent win, though, is 89-90. So it's been quite a wait there for a domestic, uh, domestic trophy in their all-levels competition. Um, in Europa, Europa Euro, wow, let me start that over. <laughs> in European competition, uh, they're three-time Europa League runners-up. 92-93, though, they won the Champions League. So they're the team in this group that has won a Champions League. Um, and if you're old like me, you remember this one. Uh, they had a, a tiny, I think it was a left back. I might have that wrong. Like a 5'9 left back, uh, Basile Boli. Uh, he won a header, put a header in the corner in that 1993 final. That was played at the Olympia Stadion in Munich. And uh, Olympic Marseille won over uh, AC Milan in that final in 92-93. So um, that's where Frankfurt stands in the group. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt, Tottenham Hotspur, Sporting Lisbon, and Olympic Marseille. It's a tough group. I People have asked who's going to win the group. I don't care. I don't care if Frankfurt wins the group, just be in the top two. And if they could, you know, help us out by not dragging it out to match day six, maybe have that number locked up, whatever that magic number is going to be, have it locked up by match day five so we can enjoy match day six, maybe have a, a little break to focus on the league a little bit. But there is nothing easy in the Champions League. There are no breaks and it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't think it's a group of death. I think it's a good draw for Frankfurt. Not a ton of travel. There's no exotic locations that are going to, you know, exhaust them physically uh, trying to play the domestic schedule at the same time. Uh, so I like Frankfurt's opportunity to finish top two. I don't know yet, based on what we've seen early in league play, if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to predict they're getting out of the league, but I like the chances at this point. And of course, we'll talk about that a lot more uh, in upcoming episodes uh, with the rest of the panel. But uh, the group of death, that's something everyone likes to talk about. Look at the eight groups and say, who is the group of death? Uh, a lot of the people I've heard say it's group B. 
groupie as Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and Victoria Pilsen. Uh, I'm going to disagree with this one on a couple of grounds. I think Bayern Munich will run away with the group. They started the season outstanding uh, here in the Bundesliga, and they've played well in recent years in the Champions League. Uh, well, a couple huge embarrassing failures, but they've been doing well uh, last year at least. Uh, Barcelona, though, they're in financial and organizational shambles. I mean, we saw it last year when we just decimated them in the Europa League. I'm not going to believe Barcelona until we see results because they're just kind of a shit show in every aspect of that phrase right now. Um, Inter Milan, they, you know, they finished one point behind AC Milan in Serie A last year, but at the same time, they've had a really tough start this year. They struggled in their preseason friendlies. Their friendlies, they don't mean a lot, but they had no form whatsoever. Uh, in league play, they were just throttled by Lazio. I'm recording this on Thursday, but uh, they were throttled by Lazio 3-1 today, and it really wasn't actually that close. So for me, I don't think that's a group of death. There's a lot to be determined, but... There's not a lot of time to get things in order. Matches start here in two weeks, and I don't think a couple of those teams are ready for it. So who's my group of death? I'm looking at Group H. Group H figure uh, features PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Benfica, and Maccabi Haifa. I probably butchered that one from Israel. Um but really the top three in that group with PSG, Juventus, and Benfica. PSG has the best team in the world on paper. Uh, that's all it is right now because, as we've seen, having the best team on paper has not necessarily meant success for them the last couple of years. So, you know, internationally, domestically, yeah, sure. But internationally, it's a different game. They're going to face a lot of stiff competition, too. Um, Juventus reloaded since getting rid of Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, they have the young Serb, uh, Vlahovic, I think. Um, he appears to be the real deal, kind of like a Holan type who plays a lot of minutes, has a ton of energy, and uh, I think he's 21 or 22 years old. Tons of potential there for him to have a, a big coming out party. Uh, Paul Pogba coming over from Man U. He's always lethal. They've got a host of contributors, you know, guys like Wesson McKinney and now obviously Philip Kostic. So I wouldn't pass, put it past Juventus. They've got some experience, but they've got some youth, and I think they can make a run. Um, and then, of course, Benfica. Uh, they're a familiar face to Bundesliga followers. Um, Julian Weigel, German international, came over a couple years ago from Borussia Dortmund. Benfica arguably does more with less than anyone else in Europe over the last 20 years. And uh, they're going to give hell to PSG and Juventus. And any any two of those three uh, could go through, but that's going to be a tough top three finish. I, I don't know anything about Maccabi Haifa. I, sorry, I don't follow the Israeli league. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's my group of death, Group H. A uh, couple other interesting notes. Uh, you know, I mentioned Bayern Munich in Group C, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, Group D. 
Bayer Leverkusen is in Group B with FC Porto, Atletico Madrid, and Club Brugge out of Belgium. So that's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, they've really struggled domestically to start the year. They're sitting down towards the bottom of the Bundesliga right now. But again, we're three matches in. Anything can happen. Uh, maybe a, a quick start in the Champions League can get them going domestically. Who knows? Um, but that's an uphill battle for me. I think Atletico Madrid and FC Porto are leaps and bounds ahead of Leverkusen, at least where we stand in late August. Um, and the other Bundesliga team, uh, RB Sugar Drink out of Leipzig, uh, they've got an interesting draw with Real Madrid, um, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Celtic. So that's an interesting draw there. Uh, Leipzig on paper should be pretty good. They've started the domestic calendar okay. Um, Real Madrid, defending champs, they're going to be tough. Shakhtar is going to be everybody, I think, um, everybody's darling, at least if you're a neutral and you don't have a dog in the fight. I don't know how you can't pull for the team from Ukraine right now. I know I am because I stand with Ukraine and I hope you do too. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be an uphill battle for Leipzig. And there's going to be a lot of travel involved with that one. Going all the way from Germany to Spain and Scotland. And I believe Shakhtar is going to be playing their Champions League matches in Poland. Uh, I think I read that somewhere. I may be wrong. Uh, it might be a ghost match played in Ukraine. But uh, I haven't felt that one out entirely yet. So it's going to be interesting to see where things go in the Champions League. Um, you know, I want your feedback too. Uh, you know, interact with the show, tell us what you think, who you think is going to move on, where you think Frankfurt's headed. How do you think the other Bundesliga teams are going to fare? Uh, yeah. So that's where I stand. No firm predictions yet in the champions league, but it's going to be exciting to see that start. The schedule will be released this weekend. I believe, uh, tickets are already on sale. If you, get them, consider yourself lucky. They are the hottest tickets uh, I've seen ever, ever. Even topping last year's Europa League run, the getting into the Vault Stadium for the opening uh, match day one or match day two, however that falls, is going to be quite a task. So, so with that, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Brian. Brian had an opportunity to talk with a special guest, uh, Phil Bonney. One of the most recognizable voices covering the Bundesliga. Uh, he had an absolutely fantastic one-on-one -on -one with him. And I invite you to keep listening and check that out. Just a reminder, um, please click subscribe. Like and subscribe to this podcast. We are a podcast by the fans, for the fans. We love interacting with every single one of you. Uh, so reach out to us with your comments, your questions, even your heckles. I promise I can take the criticism. Um, we're on Twitter at HEF pod on Facebook, facebook.com slash HEF pod on Instagram. Matt does a great job on Instagram at Hey on track Frankfurt. And soon, very soon, I promise, I promise very soon, uh, www.hefpod.com. So again, uh, I'm Chris from Detroit. You can find me on all the socials, Peloton, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, 
at C in the D 313. And yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers. to present this interview with Phil Bonney of the Bundesliga World Feed. Phil, thanks for joining us on the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. Well, my pleasure, absolutely. We've tried to uh, get together a couple of times before, but uh, unfortunately work has gone in the way or I've just forgotten. So it's pretty much down to me that it hasn't worked before. No worries. Glad to have you on as you will be on the commentary for Eintracht versus Werder Bremen this weekend. Um, let's look at the visitors to the Waldstadion, shall we? Werder Bremen, after one year down in the Zweite Liga, they are back. Um, needless to say, at the weekend, they basically, in my opinion, uh, came back with a bang with the kind of result that uh, Lee is most club salivating. And some people saying, oh, the title's already done for the season. But uh, Werder Bremen... Uh, three uh, matches played, two draws, one victory, a not-too-bad start to the season. I'm looking at this roster and this team and think to myself, you know what? They could uh, definitely finish mid-table this season. What What have your thoughts been on the return uh, as Val Bay? I would certainly say, uh, and I won't take all credit for it because Patrick Obamoyela said it uh, last weekend, but he said, looking at the team and looking at the squad, he said, this is not a Bundesliga 2 side. This is a Bundesliga side that's been away for a year. Uh, and I think he's quite right. They've, they've, uh, they've got some old heads in there. I think they've also um, so they've got some veterans who know how it works. People like Bittencourt, um, Fulkrug, Dutch. They've, they've got players with plenty of experience and they've also got some some young up-and-coming players they brought in Niklas Stark from from Hertha to, to um, give them a bit more options at the back or a few more options at the back but players like Mitchell Weiser who's a former Bayern man um, Marco Friedel of course their captain also got his uh, his football education at Bayern so having commentated the game last weekend against Dortmund um, I felt that Dortmund were fairly fortunate to be 2-0 ahead at the point they were. They had pretty much two, what they call in Germany, Sonntagsschüsse, two Sunday Sunday league goals that they just profited from totally. And and let's not take anything away. They were two very well-hit goals. But at the same time, Bremen were making all the running. Bremen stuck to their game plan. Dortmund suffered and suffer very often from a, well, all we have to do is just show up and we, we're going to win this because we're so very sexy up front. Um, and they do like to put the ball around and they can be overflowery at times. And I've got myself in trouble with Dortmund fans on more than one occasion for, for saying how I wish sometimes they just shoot rather than try and pass it all the way into the back of the net. Um, I think that Bremen are a side, and I would totally agree with you, I'd be very surprised if they struggle at the end of this season. 
playing the way they are. Well, how much would you say is probably down to uh, Ole Werner, who is the coach of Werder Bremen? An interesting uh, turn of events allowed for him to take over at Werder Bremen after Marcus Anfeng had a little bit of a, shall we say, a governmental uh, line on his uh, report card, <laughs> which caused him to uh, be removed as coach of Werder Bremen and Ole Werner came in having most recently been at Holstein Kiel he's at for 34 he's already he's in his second job and he's making a real great shakes of it as in at uh, the new man in charge of Werder or it's not say new man as he did come in in November 21 but so far he's got them playing a style that uh, is I think Gonna keep them in that mid table area. What have you made of him as a uh, manager? Well, I, yeah, as you say, he, he's coming, he's done a really fine job. He's the youngest Bundesliga coach at the moment, even younger than Julian Nagelsmann. Um, but I think you have to look at his track record. I think you have to go back just a couple of seasons to, to January uh, when the Kiel side that he was in uh, control of put Bayern out of the cup on penalties, in the snow. It was probably the coldest I've ever been. Obviously, you guys out there in the Midwest probably have uh, drifts of 100 uh, foot or more during the winter. <laughs> but uh, it, it was darn cold out there. Um, and his side put a, a full Bayern side out. It wasn't the, the B team that they put out for, for you know, like the first or second round of the cup. They were there with Lewandowski and everybody was, uh, Muller and everyone was playing. Uh, sadly, it was during the pandemic and uh, it was behind closed doors, but I was there. And uh, I think you also have to look that year. They went on to uh, to get to the relegation playoffs as well, which they lost against Köln after beating them in the first uh, the home leg, um, uh, the away leg. But then they lost at home uh, to, uh, to Cologne. They really gave them a thrashing. But, you know, they were up there and kind of that was their one of their best seasons ever. And Oliveira was, was was pretty much responsible for that. So, you know, the, the people at Bremen, uh, Frank Bauman and uh, the, the top dogs at, uh, at Bremen know what they've got in him. He's, he's you know, he's, he's from that uh, sort of area anyway. He's a northern man. He's got experience in the north of Germany. But, uh, yeah, I think he was a very shrewd acquisition. Marcus Anfang will uh, just be uh, kicking himself, I'm fairly sure. that uh, And... In the modern world, we all need to be just a little bit more aware of what's going on. You see players these days when they go down with 36 cameras on them, knowing that they've just thrown themselves to the ground. To continue to protest their innocence or to scream for a foul is madness these days. Um, and talking about Bremen, I think it was Aaron Hunt years ago um, who went down in the box. The referee pointed to the spot immediately. And I swear, and I swear I said it in the commentary at the time, you could see the thought go through his head, no, wait a minute, everybody's seen that nobody touched me. I'm just going to admit to this one and say, no, it's not a penalty, Rev. And he wins the uh, Sportsman of the Year or Sporting Gesture of the Year award or something similar, which, you know, um, is uh, is, is a good thing. I mean, it's it's good to be honest in in, in certain circumstances like that. Um, But, yeah, he got into some hot water because of the... The, uh, the virus, but then I think, you know, pretty much all of us have uh, in some way or another gone against uh, <laughs> the rules of, uh, of uh, partition, as it were, and staying away from people. Um, yeah, as it says, let he who is without sin 
chuck the first rock. <laughs> Indeed. Um, one, one thing that I did notice was in the last match for Werder Bremen, both goals were scored actually by uh, their recent acquisitions who come from the same shores that you hail from in Oliver Burke, Scottish international, and a young Englishman by the name of Lee Buchanan, who came from the English Championship side, Derby County. What have you made of them assimilated into this Werder Bremen side, a team that is, well, for both these guys, is a complete foreign country, even though Oliver Burke has been one season in the Bundesliga? Yeah, Oliver Burke uh, has been here already. Um, it, he knows what it's like. I think it's a very brave move for them, actually. Um, to come to, uh, you know, it, as my mother always says before she's about to insult someone, I'm not being funny, but, <laughs> you know, English is a world language and pretty much the lingua franca in a lot of clubs is uh, English um, because it's one language that a lot of people speak. Uh, to come to a German side is quite a brave and uh, quite a brave thing for them to do. And they, well, Oliver Burke's not quite as young as Lee Buchanan, but they've, they've got... Um, Possibly wind of the fact that in Germany, when you come to the Bundesliga, you're going to get a chance, especially younger players. It's, it's one of the leagues that really likes to, 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 to dip the younger players' feet in the water and, and, and get them going. And, it, and it's bought, uh, bought great dividends for sides like, for instance, uh, Borussia Dortmund with players like Jaden Sancho, Jude Bellingham. And, and uh, you know, the, the longer it continues, the better, as, as far as I'm concerned, because uh, it brings us exciting young players uh, that we get to watch in the Bundesliga. Agreed. I think that the Bundesliga's focus on youth development cannot be understated in that how many uh, stars of the game have all gotten their starts in the Bundesliga, something that uh, I've been very proud of being a fan of a fellow Bundesliga side. So let's switch to that side, shall we? Eintracht Frankfurt reigning Europa Pokal uh, Ziga uh, from the Europa League. Uh, so far, I would say that it's not gone off to the, the very most optimistic of starts. There's been a number of new players that have come in, a couple of exits, including one of Titanic proportions, and Philip Kostic going to uh, Juventus, Turin. Um, what have you made of the Eintracht signings and what have you made of the Eintracht start to the season so far? Well, I was in the stadium for uh, the Magdeburg game in, in, in the Cup in the first round. Um, that was the last time I saw Kostic. It was probably the last time quite a few people saw Kostic, actually. Loud um, stadium, that. Loud stadium. It's... Amazingly, it is so. Something about the acoustics in there make it a very loud stadium indeed. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll agree totally on that. Um, I think for, for Frankfurt, the thing you uh, possibly being outside, you know, as, an, as a neutral looking at it, is the highs of last season were so high. They were breathtakingly high. It's possibly a little uh, harder getting used to the, uh, the sort of <laughs> the the thin end of the wedge again, getting back to the, the Bundesliga and, and, and doing everything there. Okay, yes, massive loss uh, in, in Kostic because uh, his stock in trade served you so well over the last couple of seasons at the very least. 
brilliant news this morning, of course, is that Kevin Trapp is staying. He's decided he's not going anywhere. He had to look at the, uh, um, the offer. <laughs> but that, that's kind of uh, instant Frankfurt legend material right there. Um, so that's going to please a lot of people, I would have thought. Um, yeah, and the, the funny thing, <laughs> Brian, the funny thing is, as you caught me, I was re um, sort of just pepping up my, my list of, uh, uh, of Frankfurt uh, players uh, and uh, the new signing, Junior Dina Ebimbi. Uh, I have absolutely no idea about him. <laughs> He's only just arrived, but I've just put him into my. Uh, Maybe I get to see him at the weekend. We don't. He's got an interesting. He's got an interesting uh, record so far that I found. Having been in uh, Ligue 2, playing an entire season uh, down there with Le Havre, then Dijon, and then getting some matches with PSG before taking on this loan spell. So I'm optimistic for the guy. I am a little bit more optimistic for him than I have been for uh, Aurelio Buta, who just for the moment he came by uh, has been injured. And yeah, the, the, house, uh, the big, big money transfer, which was an obligation to buy from AC Milan. Uh, some of the moves I've scratched my head on. Some of the moves I'm really optimistic for. What a, what was the one that caught your eye of all Eintracht's numerous transfers from this offseason? Do you know what? And it might sound a little um, crazy. Obviously, the loan of Ansgar Knauf is, is uh, a bit old old uh, news, really. But that was a very shrewd piece of business. And the other really shrewd piece of business that I think might bear you dividends is Lucas Alario's arrival. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he scored recently, didn't he? Uh, that wasn't the poke, I believe. Yeah, that was in the Pokal uh, match that he was able to get his. Um, I, I think that might work out. Um, obviously, the nature of, of football anyway always means that somebody's going and somebody's coming and it leaves um, it leaves the, the floor open for people to, especially someone like Alaria that was frustrated uh, when he was at Leverkusen. And I, I get the feeling because he's a player for me who, who benefits from long stretches of starting and playing a whole game. Uh, and he does seem to get better the more he plays. Uh, and if you start leaving him out, um, I don't know if it's his own personal sort of uh, devil that he uh, fights with, but he then seems to be not as good when he does get to come on, rather than being that impact player. He's a player that comes on and you'll go, oh, I wish he'd score. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, one of those things that uh, um, can sometimes get to fans, I suppose, is because I, I only ever think of myself as a football fan. It's, it's like, yeah, okay, you are on the bench and you are, a, a, you've got a reputation, but when you come on the pitch, you've got to show what you've got. You've got to show that reputation and, and, and show why we, we were interested in you. Um, not always easy, especially for, I mean, here's another, you talk about um, players coming across from uh, a different part of the world and South Americans, of course, I, I suppose, find uh, Europe quite... Uh, Daunting at first, as as indeed in the other direction. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose he's probably one of my sort of. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how he's going to get on. Um, yeah, I don't know if you would uh, agree with me or not, but uh, that was the one that caught my eye. I thought, oh, very good, very shrewd piece of business. Yeah, I've looked at most of Eintracht's transfers as they had all come in and I'd get excited. And then I'm like, okay, got to sit down and think, why are we bringing in 
uh, Lucas Alario, we already have a center forward, and it's obvious that uh, with the increased amount of uh, games because of participating in Europe and the fact that, you know, the the FIFA World Cup's literally sitting in mid-November as just this big old daunting, like, obstacle that everyone needs to commit to. Uh, any team, especially since Eintracht made it to the DFB Pokal round two, Eintracht's looking at uh, the start from the start of September at playing two matches per week, basically until the World Cup ends. And to to be able to see that through, Bory is just going to be run ragged. And whilst he's got a terrific motor, we have seen that the team cannot compete on both fronts as uh, Eintracht finished at the bottom half of the Bundesliga table whilst coming away as European champions uh, within Europe. But I think look at the scenario. He'll he'll get his game time that he needs. I'm I'm really uh, excited about Ali Du. I think he's a spark plug that has flexibility on both wings, and that could be really exciting. I know that everyone was super excited about Mario Götze. I'm still a wait and see on him, but so far I've liked I've liked what the Eintracht has done. The only piece of business that I think that needs to be done yet, and maybe you can concur with me on that, is re-signing uh, Indica for the long term. Getting him signed up because playing in your last year of your contract, that can be a tricky uh, scenario for any player. Yeah, um, you know, there's no doubting uh, Evan Indica's uh, quality. You, you, yeah, if, if I was a Frankfurt fan, I'd be thinking, yeah, get his signature as soon as possible. I, d- I didn't mention uh, Mario Goetze um, because... With his wealth of experience, uh, I still think he's got a lot of personal demons that he's he's dealing with. Um, again, just thinking about it as someone who who plays football and has done as a, as, as an amateur his whole life, the fact that he scored a winning goal in a World Cup final basically finishes his career for me because you can't get any higher than that, and then everybody's expecting you to produce that kind of finish every time. And I think he's really suffered under that. And I'm, but I'm really hoping that his time in Holland, uh, or in the Netherlands rather, I should say, uh, has, has kind of enabled him to find the joy in football again, because I, I get the feeling that on his shoulders, there was a particularly large amount of um, pressure that was brought to bear. Uh, I've seen uh, Farid Alidou when he was uh, at, at Hamburg and thought he could be a useful player. I, but again, he's only 21, isn't he? So he's, he's, he's still young. He's got time to develop. I think for Frankfurt, you, you've always been, the last couple of seasons uh, after the departure of Andre Silva, you've been looking for that central room. Just as Beauvais started to get things sorted out, uh, the man who... Uh, puts a lot of balls in there to the centre towards him, uh, leaves as well. Um, which is why I think Frankfurt haven't quite found their ideal way forward yet. But the season's still young. And I was, I was most uh, um, in, impressed that Oliver Glasner took over. And uh, it was interesting to see the fortunes of, of, of the merry-go-round last season uh, and see how that's all worked out. And of them all, he's probably doing the best i would definitely agree on that so we've talked about eintracht we talked about Werder bremen uh the match at the weekend and our guest is phil bonnie here uh bundesliga broadcasting uh extraordinaire um this match eintracht versus Werder. 
I've I've got a sneaky suspicion that this is going to play out as two of uh, two uh, draws for each team have uh, played out. I think that both Eintracht and Werder Bremen will kind of cancel themselves out uh, in this one. I, we had predicted uh, uh, within our within the podcast team ourselves. Uh, I predicted a nil-nil result, though one-one. I mean, one-one, nil-nil. The kind of I kind of lump them both together, unless it's like a two-two draw. I don't see kind of all too much difference between Eintracht and Werder. What do you foresee that will be uh, on display on come Sunday? We have two things. Obviously, uh, you're probably aware of my nickname, um, <laughs> so, so I might be the right man for your uh, for your prediction. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Frankfurt have got to be careful, very, very careful about Werder Bremen. They're at home and they are flying high right now. They've come up. It's a team, you know, they've come up from the uh, Bundesliga 2. Everything's working. They've got faith and trust in their coach. They've had a couple of, well, one very big result last, last weekend. And if they're still flying on the back of that, I think uh, the Eagles are going to have to be very careful uh, uh, how close they, they, they fly to, to the water there up in the, on the visa because, um, yeah, I would lightly favour Bremen in, in terms of, certainly in, in terms of the, uh, the, the self-belief that the, the side have. Okay. All right, so Phil believes that uh, Vedder uh, can sneak one away, and uh, we're I'm predicting Eintracht and Vedder to come up with a draw. Phil, it's been great having you finally on the podcast. Where can we find you in the social media landscape, and what have you, uh, what kind of projects, and uh, therefore have you been up to? Well, uh, in terms of the social media landscape, uh, you can find me on uh, Bundesliga underscore Phil on Twitter. Um, I do have a Facebook page somewhere. I'm also Bundesliga underscore Phil, I think, on Instagram. Um, not that I'm a, a, a radical uh, poster where uh, every five seconds something's going up, but uh, you will find pictures <laughs> from stadiums there um, uh, and, and from when I'm, when I'm uh, off and around and about. Um, other projects we don't really have a huge amount of projects, mainly football, 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 to be honest. <laughs> are you are okay then here's a follow-up uh you know though i was kind of uh giving you a quick exit will we or will we not be hearing you uh this november and december commentating on world cup matches not that i know of to be honest because um i'm uh, germany based uh, and therefore uh, to do with rights and everything um Germany will broadcast, uh, obviously, the World Cup uh, in German, um, but not in English, uh, because it really won't be broadcast to the world. So uh, as I'm, I'm Germany-based, uh, I'm afraid, unless there are uh, small reports or, or background uh, stuff that the DFB themselves do, uh, it's unlikely that you'll hear me, I'm afraid. <laughs> Well, no worries. Hey, that's like basically having a little bit of a vac uh, vacation right during uh, the holidays that you and your family can then enjoy. Yeah, but when you're freelance, you'd much rather be working. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, All right, we'd like to thank Phil for joining this episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. And Phil, uh, best of luck and uh, have a good commentary on Sunday. Thank you very much. And uh, let's hope we get to see some great football one way or the other. Um, it's uh, 
always a pleasure commentating on the Bundesliga because you never know what you're going to get, uh, as uh, um, Forrest Gump would say. It's uh, it's it, it, it can can have some surprises. Last weekend was absolutely amazing for me with uh, a, a record-breaking 89th minute. 2-0 down, they came back to win 3-2, Bremen. Yeah, look out Frankfurt at the weekend. Thanks for having me. Hey,